invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Be reading verse 10 to verse 20. It's, that can be found on page 1163 in the Pew Bible. We've been working through the armor of God in a sermon series entitled Christian Warfare and the Battle Gear Necessary to Fight. This morning, we take up and wield the sword of the Spirit, and next week, we'll conclude the series with prayer. We take up the, sword, the armor of God, we put it on, and we pray. And so we want to conclude the series next week talking and reflecting upon prayer and how essential it is in the life of the Christian in, when we do battle against the spiritual forces of evil. Before I turn to the reading of God's Word, I want to pray. And I apologize during the congregational prayer, I failed to mention uh, a prayer item that I had in my notes, but I forgot, and that is Brenna Tolkamp and Jacob Brower will be married on Saturday, and so we want to be praying for God's richest blessings upon them, and as we turn to God's word, his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we exalt you and praise you. We thank you for the living and active word of God that we can reflect upon, meditate upon, Hear your truth and apply it to our lives. We pray that this word of God would establish the home of Brenna and Jacob as they unite in marriage, that Christ would be the center, Christ who is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, would be the center of their home. They may cherish him, love him, and follow him. And in doing so, Lord, that love they have for Christ would draw them closer and closer in their marriage one another. Oh, Father, as they make vows, exchange rings before you and, your, and the people present, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and keep them, and your face shine upon them in their marriage. Now, Lord, we turn to your word to hear the reading and preaching of it. We pray, O oh Lord, that the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, would do a work in our heart first, conforming us to the image of Christ, and transforming us in the renewing of our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, let us now hear God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given me to proclaim may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Thus far the reading of God's holy word may add his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my hope and prayer that you have heard and believed the seriousness of spiritual warfare and the, necess- the necessity for God's people to take up the battle gear that God provides. In Christ's kingdom, God provides armor for his soldiers, his sons and daughters, to fight the good fight of faith. Because as I've said over and over again, we fight from victory. That is the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross and in his glorious resurrection from the dead and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. So we fight from victory and not for victory. Why then do we need to put on or take up the armor of God if we fight from victory? If the victory is already won, why need the armor? Why not just live our lives without having to put on armor? Well, the armor of God is indispensable because on this side of glory, we endure suffering at the hands of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need God's armor to fight the spiritual battle against the devil and the spiritual forces of evil who seek to destroy our confidence in God and in Christ and seek to destroy the assurance of salvation and the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ. He wants to make your life miserable. He knows the Titanic is sinking, and he wants to take as many down as he can. He wants to bring Christians into despair, live life miserably, hopelessly. The armor provides God's strength, power, and might to sustain us in faith, hope, and love. And like any battlefield or any military campaign, the spiritual battlefield, the military campaign that Christians engage in, results in much blood, sweat, and tears because it's a fight. Over and over again, we've been hammering this point home. It's a fight, a spiritual fight. And without the next piece of battle gear, we can't press forward in the fight. Remember, we are in Christ's kingdom. We are Christ's soldiers. And we don't, we are not only on the defensive, but we are on on the offensive as well. We must actively take up and wield the sword of the Spirit. Actively, not passively, actively take up the sword of the Spirit and march. Warriors do not go into battle unarmed or unprepared. They go to battle with weapons of warfare. Not just any weapons, but effective weapons. Weapons that work. Weapons that destroy. Weapons that do the job. They need weapons to fight, to win the fight. And so Christian, we are called to actively take up and wield the sword of the Spirit. In other words, don't bring a butter knife to a spiritual fight. You don't bring a butter knife to a sword fight. Because that is what the enemy brings. He brings fiery darts, and he brings 
a sword seeking to devour you and me. And so we bring the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's look first at the meaning of the metaphor. A Roman soldier either had a long sword or a short sword. Most often they used the short sword, double-edged sword, that went attached to their belt. <laughs> we looked at the belt of truth. The sword of the Spirit is attached to the belt of truth. And so Paul once again illustrates the Christian's weapon against the spiritual forces of evil by using the Roman soldier's weapon, the sword. Take up and wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul here helps us and interprets the metaphor for us. But I want us to take note for a second here. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The sword is the Word of God. The Spirit isn't the Word of God. The sword is the Word of God. You catch that? It is the sword that is the, Spirit of God, the Word of God, not the Spirit that is the Word of God. And so we don't take up and wield the Spirit. No, we take up and wield the swords or the Spirit's sword. We take up that weapon, the Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures. But it's the Spirit's sword. The Word of God is the Spirit's sword, and it's the Christian's greatest and most effective weapon against the devil and his cohorts in the spiritual battle. The Spirit works powerfully and effectually through the Bible, through God's Word. And so I want to unpack this metaphor by explaining what this means, that the Spirit works through the Word. And so we cannot detach the Spirit from the Word or the Word from the Spirit. And I'll explain why. You see, the Bible indeed was written by men, but these men were moved along by the Holy Spirit so that what they write is the Word of God. It's divinely inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. And so it is therefore powerful. All Scripture is God-breathed, says Paul. God-breathed. It is a powerful word. And the Spirit's sword, which is the Word of God, is effectual because God accomplishes everything that His Word says it will accomplish. God's word does not return void. Isaiah chapter 55 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, Christian, Scripture is that living and active word that God sends to his people, has sent to his people. It is not a dead letter, but a living letter because the Spirit is its author. It's not a dead letter that is powerless to bring about real change and transformation in the hearts of sinners. Why are you a Christian? Why have you been born again by the Spirit of God? Because God, by the Spirit, 
opened your heart when you heard the word of God, the word of truth. That word of God was planted in your heart and produced fruit. Why? Because the Spirit of God worked through that word and created fruit in your life. You cannot separate the Spirit from the word and the word from the Spirit. It's not an ineffectual book that makes promises it can't keep. No, it gives life to believers. It condemns and judges the ungodly and sinner. God himself judges. He makes those judgment calls. And he does so through the Bible. His word. This is why Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He sees us in our hearts and the intentions of our hearts from heaven. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere and he is all-knowing. He knows us all together. And his, his word, the Bible, exposes all that before our very eyes. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and that sword has pierced our own hearts. Before we can use it on the enemy, has it pierced our own hearts, the enemy within? Our own sinful nature, our own pride, our own arrogance. Again, do not separate the spirit from the sword or from the word and the word from the spirit because there are two dangers that arise when we do so. First, the deception of extra biblical revelation. That we can receive extra revelation or illumination of the spirit outside of the Bible. And this is how cults are formed. Cults are formed when the leader, the cult leader, receives extra revelation from the Spirit, that's a danger because it corrupts the true doctrine of Scripture. It corrupts the life of a person. But we also have to beware of the deception of separating the Word from the Spirit resulting in dead orthodoxy where the Bible becomes nothing but an intellectual exercise to, to stimulate my mind and my intellect. And there's no spirit behind it. Perhaps it's preaching that teaches knowledge, just information about the Bible, about God, but not empowered by the Spirit. If it's just an intellectual exercise, it becomes a dead orthodoxy. But the Spirit works through the Word, and the Word is the Spirit's sword. Together, brings about, they bring about transformation, renewal, conversion, sanctification. Because the Spirit illuminates our hearts and minds and increases our faith through the ministry of the Bible, the Word of God, 
because the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can't have one without the other. And this sword of the Spirit, this Spirit's sword, which is the word of God, has both a defensive and offensive use. Defensively, it, pro it protects us from the enemy. Offensively, we go and promote the truth of God's word. We propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there's a protection with the sword, and there's a promoting of the gospel and God's word with the sword. Let's look first at the defensive use of the sword of the Spirit. The word of God is the defensive weapon against the spiritual forces of evil. When a soldier or warrior is attacked, he goes on the defensive. He stands firm on the defensive to protect himself from going into a position of retreat. And he's going to use his weapon to help him stand and not retreat, to protect himself. He stands his ground when he wields the sword. And so the sword of the Spirit protects us from the attacks of the devil. Think about, for, by way of a biblical example, after the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was immediately taken into the wilderness. And what happened in the wilderness? He was tempted by the devil three times. And all three temptations there, the devil tried to use the Bible against Jesus. He tested God's word. And what did Jesus do? In those temptations, in those attacks, Jesus was in a defensive position in order to protect himself and God's calling upon his life to be prophet, priest, and king. And in the power of the Spirit, he used the Word of God. All three times, he used the Word of God. And the devil fleed. Satan put God's Word to the test, tempting Jesus. Jesus rebuked the devil, quoting and applying the Scriptures. And that put an end to that temptation. Jesus used God's word to protect himself against the devil's attacks when Jesus was physically weak and tired. Remember, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights. Physically tired and hungry. And Satan tried to get him in his weakness. And Jesus took up and wielded the Spirit's sword to defend himself. When you are tempted to, co to covet, when you are tempted to commit idolatry or adultery, when you are tempted to idolize something other than God, when you are tempted to gossip or bear out or bear false witness or to lash out in anger or to engage in sexual misconduct, when you are tempted to hate God and hate your neighbor, what do you do? How are you on the defensive what do you remind yourself of? What do you apply in order to withstand the attack? Because Satan and his minions want you to fall into gross sin. They want you to hate God and hate your neighbor and to sin against God and your neighbor. So what do you do? Do you take out the sword and wield it? 
you slay the evil with the word, which renews the mind and guides us in the will of God. You see, the Spirit's sword is the only weapon coupled with prayer that enables us to withstand the enemy and causes Satan to flee. Humble yourself, therefore, before God. Submit to Him. Submit to His will, and the devil will flee from you. When you submit yourself to the Word, meditate and apply that Word to your life, the devil has no hold over you. Because that Word is the Spirit's sword that protects you from the temptations of Satan. That's why it's so imperative that we memorize and know Scripture. I think of the Apostle Paul, what he said to Timothy in the godless society of Ephesus where sexual immorality was so prevalent, they had cult prostitution, they had cult temples that practiced prostitution. And Paul's exhortation to him was, Timothy, flee from sexual immorality. And St. Augustine, before he became a Christian, was engrossed in sexual immorality. He had mistresses. And when he went back to his hometown after he was converted, one of his mistresses came to him and he read it, remembered immediately what Paul tells Timothy, flee from sexual immorality. And so what did Augustine do? He got up and he ran away. <laughs> Remember, the Christian faith is active, not passive. Take up and wield the sword of the Spirit. Protect yourself with God's word. We can't run away from him physically, but he will flee from us when we take out the sword and wield it and protect ourselves with God's powerful and effectual word. Spiritually, we will know peace for a time from the enemy. How are you doing in this area of your Christian life? Are you protecting yourself with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? I'll talk more about that in our points of application. And so there's a defensive use of the sword of the Spirit. There's also an offensive use of the sword of the Spirit. The kingdom of Christ is a kingdom of power and the Spirit that advances against the dominion of darkness. God arms his church friends with the Spirit's sword to go on conquest. Do you hear me? To go on conquest. To proclaim the true knowledge of God, our Creator, and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to de destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Not your government officials who force you to ungodly practices and evil. No, 
Paul says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. You see, in his word, God's character and his law are revealed. The enemy works in the sons of disobedience, unbelievers, attempting to destroy the true knowledge of God and his law. To erase the memory of God in society, in culture, in the church. Erase the memory of God. Create chaos and evil. Today, these spiritual forces of evil use their weapons of wickedness and are bombarding every institute under heaven. Your family, fathers, school children, churches, every institute under heaven is being bombarded by the enemy's attacks. And we are called to go on the offensive using the word of God, the sword of the spirit. In other words, God is not in the dock, as C.S. Lewis would argue. We do not put God in the dock. We don't put him in the witness chair and have him give witness that he exists or that he is true and right and just. No, he tells us this. He tells us what is just, what is true, and what is right. But man puts God in the dock, which is an English way of saying we put God in the judgment seat to be judged whether he exists or not. Scripture alone, which is God's word, the sword of the Spirit, is the weapon of such great power and might to destroy pseudo-intellectual arguments, to destroy immoral, irrational strongholds, it is scripture alone that is our weapon of choice. Today people speak as if they speak for God, having no knowledge of him or misusing and abusing the true meaning of the Bible, misinterpreting it for their own fancies, for their own justification, for their own sinful practices. In fact, that is what the word of God is being used for today to justify immorality, ungodliness, and the proud think that they are more righteous than God himself. And this is where the word of God, the Spirit's sword, judges that worldview, judges and condemns anything that opposes the true knowledge of God. You see, friends, the, world, the word of God dismantles any argument against the true knowledge of God and the true knowledge concerning who we are as human beings. As Calvin would say, that if you want to know God truly, if you want to know who you are, you need to know the revealed word of God. We need to know the Bible to know who God is and who we are by nature. And we use this word, we use the Spirit's sword, which pierces our own heart, it has convicted us, it has revealed to us our sin, and it destroys sin. It goes on the offensive. It destroys false ideologies, religions of the world, which are contrary to the true knowledge of God and the doctrines of God's word. So we take up and wield 
the Spirit's sword. To truly know God and love Him, to truly know ourselves and who we are in Christ. And it is the Word of God that shows us who we are in the face of God and who man is by nature. And so when we take up the sword, when we wield it, when we wield it, we go on the attack and make new conquests in this dark world, relying upon His Word, the Word of the Gospel, the Word of Truth, and the power of the Spirit to bring about true repentance in the lives of sinners, to bring about faith, to change hearts, to convert sinners into saints. And is the Word of God, the life-giving and life-transforming Word of God that draws people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to Himself. People who dwell in darkness and under the sway of the devil are made alive by the mercy of God and by the power of His Spirit as He works through His Word. The soldier who takes up and wields the sword in battle knows how to use the sword. He picks it up, and he picks up the right sword for the battle. What sword have you picked up? Have you picked up the butter knife, which maybe I can use as a symbolism for your own strength, your own intellectual prowess, your own mind, your own might? That's a butter knife. Or have you taken up the spirit's sword, the spirit of power, Take up and wield the Word of God. And this requires that we first study and know the Word. Is your personal Bible being used? Or is it collecting dust? You know, a soldier, a warrior who picks up his sword, he studies his sword. He'll be by the campfire the night before battle. He'll look at it. He'll hold it. He'll examine it. He'll think about how he's going to use it. He'll even practice with one of his fellow soldiers. He'll sharpen it, get it ready. He studies it. Do you study and know the Spirit's sword? I dare to say many of us get smacked around by Satan because we don't know the Word of God. How often do you sharpen your mind with the Spirit's sword? Know the whole Bible, not just parts of it. Know the storyline of the Bible. Know the truth of the Bible that's found in Christ. Know the promises of the Bible. Know the Christ of the Bible. Know and study the Bible. Not just know and study it, but love it. Love the Word. Like a warrior holding his weapon and admiring it. Admiring a, this beautiful piece of steel that's going to be used for an offensive purpose. Take up and wield the Spirit's sword and love it. Because that is God's armor. That is God's gift to you in this life. Like the psalmist, oh, how I love your law how I love your word, and how I love your truth, O oh God. The psalmist loved the Bible, loved the law of God, and it was that law that enabled him and empowered him 
to set him on a path of righteousness. James says, don't just be hearers of the word. Don't just know the word. But be doers of it. Be doers of it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, de deceiving yourselves. And so the Christian faith is not just an intellectual faith. It's not a dead orthodoxy. The word of God pierces our hearts, renews us, and powerfully and effectually changes us. And Satan hates, hates the faith of God's people. And he, desire, he hates when God's people take up this word and seek to grow from God's word. And he'll labor diligently to keep you from it and corrupt the doctrines of the word in your life so that you walk in darkness and not in the light of his word. Thirdly, believe and trust the word. You know, when a soldier goes out to battle, he has to trust his weapon that it's going to work. But in the real life, in real battle, a gun may not charge, discharge. A gun may malfunction, have problems. A missile may not fire. But God's word will never dull. God's word will never break. God's word will never rust or suffer decay. It is unbreakable. It is powerful. It is the excalibur of weapons against spiritual enemies of evil. You have to believe it and trust it. Believe and trust in the living, active word of God that is given to us for the victory in our spiritual fight. Trust his word because it won't fail you in the fight. It is true in all its teachings concerning the doctrines of God, Christ, salvation, hope, the end times. And we use God's word to push back any doctrine contrary to the true teaching of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture. We believe and trust it. And so congregation of Christ, take up and wield it. Use it. Use it. Because the Spirit works through the word of God, sanctifying us, conforming us to the image of Christ, transforming us in the renewing of mind, and putting to death the strongholds that seek to destroy you and me. Know it, love it, believe it. Know it, love it, believe it. Because that's going to be your only help, both defensively and offensively, in the spiritual fight that we're in. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, as we, your people, march forward in your kingdom, we pray, oh Lord, that you would teach us to take up and fight the good fight of faith using the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. May we indeed keep every thought captive in obedience to that Word, the Word of Christ. 
May we, O oh Lord, learn how to use it in our own lives. That your word would pierce our own souls and slay the sin in our own lives and also protect us from the evil one and the temptations that he throws upon us daily. Oh, Father, we pray that you would make us strong for the fight, that your power would be manifested in our lives as your spirit works through the word of God, which is living and active. Help us, O oh Lord, for we are weak, we are but flesh. But in Christ we are made strong. We ask, O oh Lord, that you grant us the strength to wield the sword of the Spirit. And so we pray, we pray that you would grant us your power, grant us your grace to press forward and to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that's in Christ. The glory of your name and to the furtherance of your kingdom as your word goes forth in great power through the ministry of the gospel the ministry of your word, in Jesus' name.